taking a walk down memory lane as we get ready for Eli Manning Day on Sunday. You are Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Giants podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. My name is Patricia Trana. Happy Friday to everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in all week long. Appreciate all the new listeners, all the new followers on YouTube. I've seen tremendous growth and feedback in the YouTube community, and I can't thank you enough for tuning in and contributing. And especially I want to thank those of you who are still listening to me, wherever you get your podcasts, your uh, loyalty is certainly appreciated. And it just inspires me to continue to do my absolute best work for you here on the Locked on Giants podcast. And on today's show, we have a special uh, edition that I'm really excited about. This is one that I've been thinking about doing all week. And I reached out to some of you on Twitter and invited you to participate and um, also reached out to a couple people to get their uh, feedback for this show. And we are going to uh, talk about Eli Manning, who, of course, is going to be honored on Sunday by, by the Giants, who are going to retire Eli Manning's number 10 jersey and induct him in the team's ring of honor at halftime of that game. So really... Um, you're talking the bow on a career of one of the franchise's greatest players um, to put the uniform on, especially in the modern day era. And on today's show, I'm going to share with you some memories that I have both professionally and behind the scenes memories. I have some audio clips um, and some stories that you may or may not have heard of uh, from my perspective. Um, we'll also hear what Eli had to say when I asked him about um you know, his expectations coming in. Um, we'll hear from coach David Cutcliffe, who of course worked with Eli when he was in college back in Ole Miss. Um, and I'm going to play for you for the first time. Nobody else has heard this other than Eli, but I'm going to play for you a special message that I had recorded for Eli as a result of a guest that I had had on my show. I'll tell you more about it, but it has Seinfeld tie-ins. So a lot of little things that um, I hope you'll enjoy. And of course, we'll have your favorite memories of Eli. You'll be able to see them throughout the show today. And uh, just again, I hope you enjoyed today's show. This was you know, really a fun one for me to put together. If I had told you about 17, 18 years ago that the New York Giants would draft a quarterback in the first round, then trade him. And land with the franchise's all-time passing leader in just about every statistical category. That they would land with a guy who never missed a start because of injury. That they would land a guy who would win them two Super Bowls and be a two-time Super Bowl champion MVP. That they would land a guy who week in and week out, you knew what you were going to get from him. Would you have believed me? I know I wouldn't have. But yet that's what the Giants got and Eli Manning. Now, I can remember when Eli was initially drafted. 
Uh, back then, Twitter was just in its infancy, I think. Um, blogging was just starting up. Um, electronic communication wasn't as, uh, as, as frequent as it is today. And I'll never forget, um, before Eli was actually drafted, I had gone to lunch with um, a player's wife that I knew. And she had given me the inside scoop. She said, hey, if Eli Manning is available by a trade, the Giants want him. They want him badly. And I thought to myself, no way are they going to make that trade. They're not going to trade. You know, They're going to have to trade basically a king's ransom to get Eli Manning. Okay. And so sure enough, the deal came through. It was a last minute deal. You know, Ernie Accorsi, the general manager who made that deal, um, has many times spoken about it, including to me for my book, uh, The Big 50. And he talked about, you know, how he didn't know if, if you know, A.J. Smith, who was the general manager of the Chargers, who at the time drafted Eli Manning first overall, if um, he was going to keep his word on the trade. And there were some bumps and bruises along the way as far as that trade went. Like, for example, the Chargers wanting OCU Manure at the time and Ernie not willing to give up OCU Manure. But anyway, the Giants got their man. And when I spoke with Ernie Accorsi for my book, I asked him, I said, Ernie, what made you so sure that Eli Manning was the guy, that he was going to be able to come to New York and he was going to be able to survive it? Because let's face it, the New York market is not the most friendly or the easiest market to play in. And he told me the story about a workout down at Ole Miss that Eli was scheduled to take part in. And um, Eli went through the workout and another quarterback, J.P. Lozman, showed up at the workout. And at the time, Ernie was down there. Eli's agent was down there. The coaches were there. Um, Peyton Manning, Eli's older brother, who was by that time already in the NFL, he was there as well. And Ernie told me that Peyton Manning went ballistic, that J.P. Lozman showed up at that workout. And um, so Ernie went and he said, well, what does Eli think about this? And the story or, or the response that he, he got was, ah, Eli doesn't give a damn. And that's when Ernie, of course, he knew that Eli Manning would be able to handle the New York market. Because as you all know, Eli Manning, no matter what arrows were flung his way, and he had a lot of them flung his way, especially later in his career and in the beginning part of his career, when there were some doubts about whether or not he would be the guy, Eli Manning took them all with a smile and a grain of salt. Just an amazing, amazing disposition. All right. So when the Giants pulled off that trade, and I remember that trade pretty well, I remember where I was when that trade was made. We were in the old stadium. I was covering the draft. Um, we were downstairs in a windowless room. And I remember going out into the hallway, I think to get a cup of coffee or a cup of tea, I should say. I don't drink coffee. So it was a, it was a cup of tea. And I remember somebody saying, they did it. They did it. And I'm like, Oh my God, I knew exactly what they were talking about. They traded for Eli Manning, the Giants. And uh, we got word from upstairs, the PR department, that Eli, who had been in New York for the draft, was on his way to uh, Giants Stadium, where the team was holding, I think, a draft party, if I remember correctly, in the stadium. 
for the fans. And Eli was on his way and he was going to, you know, meet with the fans. And uh, sure enough, came in and, you know, went through the whole, the whole welcome to the, the team routine and whatnot. But what I really remember about Eli in those early days is I remember a very young looking kid, a kid who, you know, when you first looked at him, you thought, oh my gosh, he's afraid of his shadow. But he just had a very cool and steely resolve to him. And I remember his first practice, it was, it was in a mini camp. And his first practice, he was absolutely awful. I mean, he couldn't hit the the side of a barn door if he uh, the side of a barn, excuse me, with um, you know the accuracy issues he was having. So was he having nerves, perhaps? But he never admitted to it. But I remember, you know, all the papers writing about how awful he looked. And sure enough, all the uh, naysayers came out. Oh my God, what did Ernie Acorsi do? What's wrong with the Giants? They traded for the runt of the litter, you know, the Manning family litter. I remember getting letters to the editor when I was with Inside Football, people just absolutely destroying Eli Manning. And I also remember telling those same people, let's wait and see what this kid brings to the table. You know, let's give him a couple of years, two, three years, see if he can turn it around. And initially, you know, Let's face it, Eli had to get his uh, his feet underneath him. And I think this is a good spot to give you the answer he gave me when I asked him about, you know, coming into the NFL, um, you know, you have expectations. So you sort of have expectations, what you would like to see your career evolve into. And, you know, how did he see it all playing out for him? I thought he gave a really good answer which I'm going to play for you right now. This is from Eli Manning's uh, press conference, video conference call, actually, that he did with the media on Thursday. When you first come into the league, obviously you don't have expectations. You don't know how things are going to go. You know how you'd like them to go and whatnot. But when you look back over your career, can you just talk a little bit about the growth you experienced as a person, you know, not as a football player, you know, we know about the records, but as a person, the maturity that you went through, through the ups and downs and whatnot. Yeah. I mean, obviously, um, yeah. I mean, you come into the NFL and you're, you're 22 or 23 years old and, and just the, um, you know, I, I think my mindset when I first got there, is you all of a sudden you come into that locker room and you see, Amani Toomer and Michael Strahan and Luke Pettigrew and Tiki Barber and these guys who have had success and these guys um, who are, you know, big personalities and these, you know, guys that have families and have kids. You're like, you know, holy cow, like I'm not I'm not in college anymore. In college, you're all the same age. You're all, you know, kind of going through the same issues. And now you're with some some grown some grown men. And, um, you know, my, my take was, hey, I'm going to I'm going to keep my head down. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to, uh, you know, be in early. I'm going to stay late. I'm going to try to, you know, ask good questions when, when I need to and, and just try to earn the respect of my teammates by, by just, you know, uh, being dependable, showing up and, and trying to do all the right things and, and, and earn, earn it through just being tough and taking hits and getting up and, and being there every, every week. And I think that was kind of, kind of the mentality you know, all 16 years, I wanted to earn the respect of my teammates. And even, you know, the, you know, year 15, when you have rookies coming in, I wanted them to see how I was working and how I was preparing and 
and how important it was to me. And I wanted them to see yeah, this is a guy who's you know 15 or 16 years into it and he's still grinding and still asking questions and he's engaged in every meeting. And so I think that was always always the mindset and the mentality. And, and But as you get older, you also want to be a mentor and help those uh, younger people learn and, and have success and to you know reach their um, you know, their full potential. Okay. So just, again, you can see that, that resolve that, you know, there's a, there's a nice mix of humbleness and confidence in Eli Manning. It's always been there. And you kind of saw that early on. Like, I know some of you have, you know, when I asked you about your favorite memories of Eli, which some of you have uh, shared with me, and of course, we'll be reading some of those uh, those memories as we go along here. But um, but I can remember a couple of welcome to the NFL moments for Eli Manny. You know the, uh, the the last game of his rookie season against Dallas. I think there was a game against Philly where he took a big hit, um, and he just bounced up. And I have to tell you, as somebody, for me, I grew up. Um, in the seventies and, and uh, you know, I was a kid in the seventies and that's when I was introduced to giants football. So late seventies, you know, Phil Sims came along and there was just something about Phil Sims that I thought was really special. And of course, Phil went on to become the new giants passing leader. Um, you know, the undisputed uh, leader of that offense. And I remember when Phil retired, I said, there will never be somebody to replace him. And I was wrong. Eli Manning, just in his demeanor, how he went around about his business, he not only toppled a lot of Sims's records, but he's the one guy you can honestly say was worthy of being mentioned in the same breath as Phil Sims, as uh, you know, Charlie Connolly, as, as, as several of the Giants great quarterbacks that they've had in their franchise history. So I'd like to now share with you um, a couple of memories that were, were uh, shared with me about Eli Manning. And this first one comes from his college coach, David Cutcliffe, who I asked, what were your first impressions, your earliest memories of Eli Manning? And here's what Coach Cutcliffe had to say. My first impressions with, with Eli was... I don't know, maybe he was 15 years old, um, 16 maybe. I, I was coaching his brother, had him in camp. And uh, I just remember thinking how how young he, he looked and how thin he was. And, uh, you know, I just didn't see what the end product was going to turn out to be at that time. But uh, as... I coached him, and certainly as I saw him develop as a high school player, my goodness, he was a great high school player. Um, really a gifted competitor, uh, accurate, and uh, just grew quickly as a, as a player on the field. And then recruiting him um, was really uh, a pleasure. Eli's one of those people that you can trust what he says to be the truth, his truth. And I, I learned to trust him early. And then when when he came to Ole Miss, there was still a little bit of that. He just wasn't quite developed, um, although he was a little bit older. 
than, than some of his classmates. He just hadn't physically finished developing. And, uh, man, did he do that quickly. And he was also a hard worker uh, off the field. The student of the game was good in the weight room. He did the things that you were going to hope that a potentially great player could do. And that's, that's kind of the, the beginning one of the key elements that I do remember of him on the field is that he, he was playing some as a redshirt freshman, but wasn't our starter because we had a, a, a Romero Miller who had started a long time at Ole Miss, even previous to us going in there, was a really good player. Um, but uh, the last game of Romero's career was a bowl game against West Virginia and we had ice storms and everything you can imagine with no indoor complex, and we didn't prepare very well, and we weren't really ready. And I'm not sure how excited our seniors were to be playing in the Music City Bowl at that time. And we got behind, and I put Eli in the game just because it was 49 to 9. And lo and behold, we made a comeback. Uh, we didn't win it, but we, we put ourselves in a position to win the game in the fourth quarter. I maybe even better would say Eli put us in a position. And you just saw in amazement um, just what he had done as a backup quarterback, how hard he had worked to prepare himself. And um, just the comments when he would come off the field, what, what did you see? A five-second play would take him 30 seconds to tell you what went through his mind. It was pretty amazing, and you just knew you had something special. All right, great stuff there from Coach Cutcliffe. And, folks, before we take a quick break, I want to share with you another memory that was uh, submitted by one of my Twitter followers, KP McClave, who writes, uh, in response to the question, what is your favorite Eli Manning memory? He writes, rookie season finale, audible to Tiki for the game-winning run versus Dallas, Eli has that aw shucks persona, but his eyes on the sideline and the minutes before the Super Bowls were pure intensity. And then he goes on to mention also the Manningham catch, which was a perfect throw, perfect catch. And hey, I still don't know how they did it. That was Eli Manning, folks. That was Eli, the quarterback. And coming up, I'm going to talk a little bit about Eli, the person who unfortunately we didn't get to see a whole lot of, but when we did. We were really in for a treat as far as what he showed and, and just what kind of person he he really is. And I can't wait to share those with you. So stick around. We'll be right back and I'll have that for you. All right, Giant fans, we have much more coming up on today's episode of Locked On Giants. But first, Built Bar is a healthy, low-carb, low-sugar, and high-protein treat that will satisfy your sweet tooth. Covered in real milk chocolate, Built Bar has nine amazing flavors a nut and nut-free variety, plus the occasional limited-time flavor offering, which right now is cookie dough. And with to get 15% off your first order, use our special promo code LOCK15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 at BuiltBar.com and put your customized box together. Again, that's 15% off with this promo code LOCK15 at BuiltBar.com. All right, Giant fans, thank you so much again for being with me here on the Lachlan Giants podcast. We are going down memory lane about the man of the hour, Eli Manning, whose jersey 
is retired officially this Sunday at halftime at the game between the Giants and the Falcons. Also, Eli is going into the ring of honor after a basically an illustrious 16-year career. And um, we know all about the records and all the great throws and all the wonderful things he did on the field. We know about the Ironman streak. But I'd like to spend this segment talking a little bit about the Eli that maybe we didn't see as much of that. In retrospect, it would have been nice if we had seen a little bit more of this guy. Um, And I'm not talking so much about the prankster. I mean, Eli was a notorious prankster, the target of his pranks often being his offensive lineman. Isn't that kind of ironic, considering that those are the guys who were tasked with protecting him every Sunday? But there were a couple things about Eli that really, to me, stood out um, where he showed emotion. And um, I'll never forget them. And unfortunately, one of them is not a, a really fond memory per se. But this came when Ben McAdoo decided to start Geno Smith and it resulted in Eli Manning's benching. And, you know, you can spin it any way you want. It was a benching of Eli Manning. Um, this towards the end of Eli's career when the Giants basically were failing him as far as putting talent around him. But anyway, I can remember being at that press conference, uh, which was really kind of held by Eli's uh, locker. Eli wasn't one for, okay, I got to go stand at the podium and talk. He was kind of an, an informal guy, would hang out at his locker and he would, you know, hold court there. And ultimately people would, the, the crowd would thin, thin down and he would stay there basically accommodating every last person. So sometimes if you waited for the crowd to thin out and you got him with a smaller group or one-on-one, he was fantastic. He really was. But anyway, I remember when the word came down that uh, he was being benched and in a rare display of emotion, that man who had never batted an eye, never flinched in the face of competition. I don't know how he did it, but my gosh, you could see he was struggling not to cry. And at that moment, he kind of reminded you that, yeah, he's a person too. I mean, again, this is a guy who time and time again was so tough. He took hits. He would bounce up. I mean, does anybody remember um, the time that he got hit in the preseason game? I think it was against the Jets and he got up and he was bleeding. You know, his nose was bleeding. I think, or maybe it was his forehead. He had a gash on his forehead and he jumped up and he was kind of like pointing to his his wound, and as he kind of walked off the field, that was, you know, the epitome of toughness. But to see him have something taken away from him that meant so much to him, that just goes to show you how much the game meant to him, how seriously he took his responsibilities, how he wanted to be there for his teammates. And to have that taken away from him and to see his reaction you know, the near tears. And I, and I, to this day, I still say he, he was letting some tears flow, even though he was trying his best to, to hide them. I mean, if that didn't get you here, then you just don't have a heart. I know, I know it got me. It got a lot of people who were there that day listening to him talk and for him to get up there and talk about that really said a lot about the guy. So uh, I remember that memory really well. Now, I'm going to tell you about one that probably didn't make the news because it involved me. And um, this just goes to show you, 
what kind of guy Eli was. For the most part, Eli was always cordial. You know, if he if he got the same question twenty times, he would he would answer them. Okay, didn't say much, but he would answer the question. So I remember one year. Don't remember the exact year, but I remember this this incident very well. I was talking with another teammate while Eli was holding court. It was, and they were playing the Seattle Seahawks that that particular week. And I got over to Eli's um, huddle, if you will, just as it was starting to thin out a little bit. And I had a specific question that I wanted to ask him. I think it was about the Seattle crowd. I, I don't remember exactly what the question is, but I know it was different than what he had already been asked because I had kind of heard, you know, from being not too far from the, the huddle there, I kind of heard what he was being asked. So went up to him, jumped in, I said, and I started my question. And I didn't even get like literally six words out of my mouth when Eli said, I answered that question already. You're not going to ask that again, are you? So I, I was taken aback because I'm like, whoa. Where's that coming from? So not being in the best of moods at the, at the particular time, I just kind of put my hands on my hips. And I said to him, will you let me finish the question, please? And he looked, he was like, gave me the Eli face. You know? So um, he let me finish the question. He realized that the question was different than what he was anticipating gave me a fantastic answer. I remember thinking to myself, wow, this is one of the best answers she's probably given all day. So after we were done, I I said, thank you so much. And I walked away. And as I was walking away, he finished up and I was kind of, you know, floating around the locker room looking, you know, to see if another huddle would form up or if a player came out that maybe I wanted to go talk to. When Eli finished his, um, his session at his locker room, he made it a point to come over to me. And he kind of like, you know, not put his hand on my shoulder, but kind of like to get my attention. He said to me, hey, I just want to say, I'm sorry about what happened before. And I was like, taken aback because, you know, players, you know, sometimes something happens or they get cranky or they say stuff and they very seldom apologize. And for him to come up to me and say, hey, I want to apologize. You know, I'm sorry. And, you know, I hope I was helpful to you. I was like, wow. I mean, you you had to pick my jaw up off the floor. I thought that was a really great gesture on his part. And I remember saying to him, no, I said, I remember saying, no sweat. You know, I said, are we cool? He says, oh, absolutely. He says, anytime you let me know. Anytime you need me, let me know. And sure enough, folks, he kept to his word. Anytime I asked for him for a quick one-on-one, he accommodated. All right. This is a guy who, trust me, a lot of people put a lot of demands on his time and for him to do that. And at the time I was writing for maybe some smaller outlets that, you know, in the grand scheme of things and the pecking order probably wouldn't have gotten the time of day, but he made time. And I always remembered that. And I always appreciated that. And, um, you know, look, I always liked Eli as a player, what he brought to the football field, but I'll tell you what, he was by far a gentleman off the field. And speaking of which, I have another memory that uh, Coach Cutcliffe shared with me about Eli 
and what kind of person he is. So I'm going to play that for you now. My, my favorite story of, of Eli uh, off the field, he, he was actually had been able to rent a condominium um, down on the square in, in Oxford. It's a great place, obviously, for a student to live. And by this time, he and Abby were an item. And um, we had our young daughter, Emily, who this would have put her at, uh, I don't know, three years old or so. And Oxford has this big Christmas parade that's impossible to get to to see. And I'll never forget that Eli and Abby inviting Emily to come and stand on the balcony People may find that as an odd memory from his football coach, but to me that defined Eli Manning for me. He's a good person, and he may not people want you know doesn't want everybody to know it. he's a kind person and a person that I respect a great deal, certainly both on and off the field. All right, speaking of personality, I want to share this uh, memory submitted to me by Dennis Lee. Stony Killfloat on Twitter, who wrote, you had to spend a lot of time trying to understand what I thought was the enigmatic persona that was Eli. 18 years learning about that guy. He was the same age as my second son. Plenty of face palms, but he was he was good, stable, and he has always been classy. Archie had to be one proud dad too. And then Dennis goes on to say, it's an off-field quote in response to Tiki, Tiki Barber in 2006. I'm not going to lose any sleep about what Tiki has to say. I guess I could have questioned his leadership skills last year. I like Tiki. This, this now is Dennis ending the quote. Dennis saying, I like Tiki and understood what he was doing. Disagreed, though. He wasn't classy. All right. Now, for those of you who don't remember, that in 2007, I think it was, Tiki Barber had just retired from the Giants, and Tiki swears that he was misquoted, that his quote was taken out of context, but he basically was quoted as saying that Eli's leadership skills were comical. And I spoke to Tiki about it, again, for my book, and Tiki swears that it was taken out of context. And uh, I think I found the original quote, I think it's in the book, um, which Tiki was talking about, And but anyway. Uh, it was presented to Eli as, hey, Tiki thinks you're a clown. You know, your leadership is, is abilities are, are comical, clownish. What do you have to say? And that was, uh, you know, Eli's response. You know, um, I could have questioned his leadership. And, of course, Eli was referring to the fact that in 2006, Tiki's last year, he kind of went on that farewell tour, got out that he was going to retire and you know, instead of squashing a Tiki, who was always upfront with, um, you know, what he had to say and what he was thinking, you know, basically uh, accommodated people who wanted to talk about it. So that's what Dennis is referring to there. I'll tell you one other kind of off the field story about Eli uh, before we take our next break. Um, I remember the, remember the year when the ALS challenge was big, you know, the ice bucket challenge. I remember Eli uh, having being challenged to do that. And I remember 
his teammates, I can't remember who from his teammates, but a couple guys took him out on the backfield. Now, if you've ever been to a training camp practice at the Quest Diagnostics Training Center, there's a backfield adjacent to the field house that a lot of times the offensive linemen and the defensive linemen go to work on. And they took Eli to that backfield. And I remember Eli's oldest daughter, Ava, was there. Um, I want to say she was about, I don't know, seven, eight years old at the time. I'm thinking, uh, you know, I, I can't remember how old she was, but she she was kind of young. I, I'm going to say, you know, she was young. I don't remember the exact age. But anyway, um, when Eli got doused with the bucket, you know, I, I don't know if you ever have gotten doused with the bucket, but having ice water dumped on you, it's, it's a shocker. It's like, you know, so when Eli had it, his reaction was hysterical. I mean, for a stoic as Eli Maddox was to see his reaction was like, it was hilarious. And I remember Ava just breaking out in laughter. Oh my gosh. That kid just literally fell on the ground laughing at it. And Eli just looking at her like, Ava, come on, what's with that, you know? And again, it was a rare display of emotion from Eli, who did such a good job in keeping his emotions in check. I mean, really, the only other time I saw him show any kind of emotion was when he was being mischievous. And I had the pleasure of interviewing him and his dad on this program. Uh, This is before I was on YouTube, but we did a, a video interview and um it was for Frito Lay and Eli was talking about you know growing up and and you know sitting with Peyton and how they used to get in trouble and I would ask Archie Banning about the boys and the faces Eli made I mean hysterical absolutely hysterical so the times Eli tried comedy and really let his personality show that's when you really appreciated him because let's face it you know Football players, when I think a lot of us look at football players and we say, oh, you know, we can say what we want about them because we pay the money to see them play. We buy the merchandise. We write about them. We do this. And who cares about their feelings? And we forget that sometimes there's feelings underneath there. And when Eli showed those feelings, he was just an absolute delight. And I just, you know, I remember saying to him, dude, man, why didn't you show more of this when you were playing? And and he just kind of laughed and he said, I guess I just found it, you know, found the personality, but just a a really funny guy. And um, I want to share another uh, memory from one of my uh, Twitter followers. This one from Mark Bongiovi on uh, Twitter who writes the NFC championship game against the 49ers. Ooh, I remember that. Eli in the mud. That's the name of the chapter in the book. I remember writing about that. Watching him get pummeled and not blink an eye, specifically when he stood back, uh, stood back up, twisted helmet, filthy jersey, shoulder pad exposed, and called a timeout. I knew we were going all the way. Nothing was stopping him. Yep, I remember that. I remember that uh, that whole mess um, I was not at that game, that championship game, because unfortunately back then in 2011, I was dealing with cancer. So I wasn't able to travel. Thank God I was able, I was cleared to travel for the Super Bowl. But I remember watching that and saying, my goodness, if that game didn't prove to people how tough Eli was and what was it between his chest there, um, I don't know what did. But of course, you know, 
You could also point to the Super Bowls. You can point to so many moments, but that game was one for the ages. All right, folks, plenty more still coming up here on the Locked on Giants podcast. As we go down memory lane ahead of Eli Manning's Jersey retirement ceremony and his Ring of Honor induction ceremony. So please stay with us. All right, Giant fans, before we continue on with today's show, did you know that the Locked on Giants podcast is currently running a weekly pick and pull? That's right. Thanks to our friends at runyourpool.com, which is the premier sports pool hosting service. We've got a weekly competition going on, details of which you can find in our show notes to see who is truly the king or the queen of the weekly pickums in the NFL. And did you know it's also not too late for you to set up your own customized pool at runyourpool.com. That's right. They make it so easy to do. They have dozens of formats, including survivor, pick'em, squares, margins, confidence pools, 33, and more. And you can run them with the NFL or college football. You could do weekly, you could do playoffs or Super Bowl. So plenty of options to choose from. Check them out today and you can get $10 off with our special promo code locked on at runyourpool.com. Again, that's locked on for $10 off your customized pool at runyourpool.com. And don't forget to check out the Locked On Giants pool details in the show notes. All right, Giant fans, we have much more coming up on today's Locked On Giants podcast. But first, Get all the latest news, odds, info, and sign-up bonuses for all your sporting needs by heading over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device. And when you open an account and use our special promo code NFL100, you will get a 100% welcome bonus on your initial deposit. Again, that's code NFL100 for a 100% welcome bonus. Terms and conditions do apply. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, Giant fans, welcome back to Locked On Giants podcast. And again, thank you, everybody, for tuning in and listening. I hope you're enjoying this walk down memory lane. We are saluting the man, Eli Manning, who gets his jersey retired Sunday at halftime, Giants versus Atlanta. Eli is also going into the ring of honor the first of two big uh, ceremonies coming up for the Giants uh, later on this year. Michael Strahan will finally have his jersey number retired. That'll be a little later on, though, in the year when the Giants face the Eagles, a team that Strahan used to regularly own, as I recall. So, But that's down the line, and we'll do a show on Michael down the line. Um, so anyway, I want to talk, uh, share a, a couple more memories from you guys that who were kind enough to submit stuff. Frederick Strobel remembers the Philly 2006 game, which he writes, great comeback. And he also remembers the comeback against Denver. All right. And Rich Smith talks about the play in which Eli tried to run for a first down, dove to the ground for the extra yardage. No one touched him. And he managed to fumble thanks to hitting the turf and how that was a giggle. Okay. Yeah. Sometimes Eli, when he ran, it was like, you know, it was like almost, I want to say watching Keystone Cops, but he wasn't the most graceful, gazelle-like athletic guy in the world. But when you needed a clutch throw, Eli was there. All right. This one was sent to me by an email from James McEwen, who has been watching the Giants play since he, since fourth grade, 25 years old now. So uh, 
he pretty much grew up on Eli Manning. You know, it's scary. You know, I, th- I think of Giant fans uh, nowadays who aren't old enough to remember Lawrence Taylor. I, of course, remember Lawrence Taylor because sad to say I am old enough to remember that. And then I hear from a lot of folks who are 30 and under who basically grew up on Eli Manning, 16 years in the league. They grew up on him. So he's really the main guy that they've known. But anyway, James writes, my favorite Eli memory is also my favorite Giants memory. January 20th, 2008, Giants at Packers for the NFC Championship game. I was on vacation in Vermont and my family and I were at a restaurant for dinner. Unfortunately, there was no TV anywhere near our table. So for the length of the dinner, my dad and I kept running into the room with the TV to watch the game. Of course, it never went into, of course, it went into overtime and Lawrence Tynes saved the day. That season was full of nail biters and it is the reason why I will forever be an Eli Manning fan. The season of the underdog. All right, I'm going to share with you one last uh, thing. Now, this is something I have never released to the public. I'm going to share it with you now. Um, Eli Manning, as, as you all probably know, was a huge Seinfeld fan. And towards the end of his career, you know, he put on the bit, uh, the brave face, but I'm sure he heard the people calling for his head saying it was time for him to go. He stunk. He, he was this, he was that, even though it wasn't all his doing. So I remember um, I ha- had the good fortune of having a gentleman by the name of Steve Heitner on the podcast. It was a couple of years ago and he had come on. He was a big time giant fan and he had come on. And for those of you who don't know who Steve Heitner is, if you are familiar with Seinfeld, he played Kenny Banya, that annoying, that skull, Jerry, that's gold. Uh, yeah, that character. So Steve Heitner came on, we talked giants. And after we finished taping the show, he was asking me about Eli. How's he holding up? And I said, you know what, Eli, from what I could see, putting on the brave face, but I got to tell you, I don't know how he does it because he's he's human. He's got to be, you know, hearing it or feeling it or, you know, how, if you're human, you, you can't, you know, you've got to hear it or, or feel it at some degree. So Steve Heitner said to me, could I send Eli a message? Could you give him a message for me? Now, normally I don't do that, but I said, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. So Steve recorded a short message and uh, I'm going to play that message for you in just a second. And I took that message to Eli and I said, and I remember going up to him after his media br- briefing and I said to him, I've got something that I guarantee you don't have. So he looked at me and goes, okay, what do you think? You know. What is it? And I said, Dan, do you know who Steve Heitner is? And he thought about it and he said, no, not sure. I said, do you know who Kenny Banya is? Oh, yeah, yeah. So his eyes lit up. He goes, yeah, yeah, I know who he is. I said, okay, Steve Heitner is the actor who played Kenny Banya on Seinfeld. And he asked me to pass along a message for you. So now you see the eyes get wide. And I said to him, Okay, you ready for me to play it? Now, unfortunately, on that particular day, Eli had to go and and do conference calls, I think, with the opposing uh, teams. But I held on to the message, and Eli didn't forget it. And I 
came up to him, you know, I, I think it was later on in the week or something. And uh, he knew I had it. And I said to him, you ready for the message? So he sat down on his stool and I played the message for him. And when it was done, I can't be a hundred percent sure, but I think he was, he had a little bit of a tear in his eye and he was smiling from ear to ear. He was just absolutely thrilled. And, you know, again, I don't normally do that for players. I don't, you know, but deliver messages because that's not my job, but that was an exception. And I told Giants PR what I was going to do and made sure that they were cool with it. And they were, and uh, it was just nice to kind of, you know, share that pick me up because Eli, for what it's worth, you know, did so many things that he didn't have to do with timing, um, you know, with giving his time up and, and whatnot. And I always believe to a degree that uh, this business is a little bit about give and take. It's about respect. You respect me. I respect you. We work together and, and we just make this work. And that was a nice moment that I remember. And let me play that message for you now. It's a short message. So let me play Steve Heitner, a.k.a. Kenny Banya's message. Hey, Eli, this is Steve Heitner. I played Kenny Banya on Seinfeld, if you were a fan of that show. Uh, I was kidding around on the podcast that my, my father used to say, well, thank God for that Steinfeld show. And uh, and thank God for you, Eli. What is, what a joy it's been to watch you over the years. Uh, the the two Super Bowls and uh, and every season uh, has been its own reward. And I want to thank you for uh, putting a shine on the New York Giants. Thank you so much, Steve Heitner. Out. All right, there you go. S- simple, easy, plain, just like uh, Eli Manning, who for s- countless Sundays delivered some quality football put smiles on giant hands' faces, and now joins the the, uh, immortal world of the Lawrence Taylors, the Bill Parcells, the uh, Tom Coughlins, YA Tittles, the great giant legends. Eli has arrived. And just in closing, folks, I covered Eli his entire career. And I have to say this in all sincerity, it has been an honor and a privilege to watch that guy come in as a fresh-faced rookie and grow into the gunslinger, the quarterback, the philanthropist, the husband, the father, the citizen that he has become. You know, I often say to people, you know, people often say to me, Pat, what's the best part of your job? Well, it ain't transcribing that much I've said before. Um, It's getting to know the players, getting to see how they grow as people, because we all do grow as people. And having had that that privilege to see Eli, you know, granted, it was it was only for part of the year, but to see that is one that I will always cherish and be thankful for. And um, Eli, I know you're not watching this, but if by chance you are, congratulations on an awesome career on all your accomplishments. You deserve all good things. And here's hoping that in a couple of years time, we're talking about you again in the context of Canton and the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Giant fans, that's going to do it for us today here on the Lothan Giants podcast. I hope you enjoyed this show. I want to thank everybody who contributed their memories. I want to thank Coach Cutcliffe. And of course, I want to thank you for tuning in. Join us on Monday. David Turner will be with me as we break down 
the Giants-Falcons football game that will be played on Sunday. So until then, everybody have a fantastic weekend and we will talk to you soon.